0: Timothy Goodman is a designer, illustrator, muralist, and author. Tim's art and words have populated walls, buildings, packaging, cars, people, shoes, clothing, book jackets, magazine covers, galleries all over the world, and also one of my first fiction characters was a big fan of him. If you are an OG reader of mine going all the way back, then maybe you remember the time that Miko commented on his work And if you don't know what that means, then you're not an old school fan. Anyway, I have been dying to have Timothy on the show forever. His clients include Google, Samsung, Target, MoMA, Airbnb, Netflix, The New Yorker, the list goes on and on. And so he's this incredible example of someone who took art and turned it into commerce, which is not always easy to do. He currently teaches at the School of Visual Arts in New York City and talks about his feelings on Instagram. I hope that you enjoy this Very real, authentic, incredible conversation that I had with him a few weeks ago. This is my chat with Timothy Goodman. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. Timothy Goodman. I feel like we've been trying to make this podcast happen for a while. I've been dreaming about this for a very long time. Oh,
1: stop it. You're making me blush. It's such an honor to be here. You have no idea. Like, I don't even know what I'm, I'm, I don't even know what I'm doing on this podcast, to be honest with you. Like, there's no reason I should be honest.
0: (laughs) Yes, no. I I mean, I will take you on the journey of why I think this is a really interesting conversation for all of our listeners who are creators, who are, yeah. you know, using their imagination to build things in personal life, professional life. So it, to me, it makes total sense, but I don't remember exactly when I discovered you on Instagram, but it's been years. Mm-hmm. And I know it's been years because I wrote you, yes, you into my fiction book, <laughs> yes, which you did. is so <laughs> Random. So random. um, And
1: so, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I'm so flattered and just like, it's just, I couldn't even believe that when I found that out a couple years ago.
0: Like, very esoteric. I was writing about these people (laughs) living in LA, and the girl is, you know, a a really hip and cool interior designer. And she walks into a space and sees your art on what ends up being our romantic hero's wall. And um, I feel like I was manifesting, getting to have this moment with you even way back then. Wow. So, I'm, I'm I know, and jazzed. she's like,
1: in the story, she's like, "You?" He's like, who's that by? And she's like, that's the artist, Timothy Goodman. You don't know who that is? <laughs> How do you, you need to follow him on Instagram right now, right, isn't it something like that? I'm paraphrasing, but.
0: So he, he, she, <laughs> she knows who it is and he's impressed because she knows it's his art. So she's impressed, yeah, knows, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, it's a whole, whole thing. But so I, when I first discovered you ended up sort of following, I guess it, uh, forgive me if I'm Mm going to be a country mouse and not use the right terms, but that piece that you did with your friend where you guys tried to date each other and then you sort of documented the progress.
1: Yeah. It's called 40 days of dating. Uh, It's a kind of a, how would you label it? A social experiment.
0: There you go. That
1: my one of my best friends, uh, a fellow colleague, graphic designer, artist person, Jessica Walsh. Uh, we co-created it together, and it was God. That was a long time ago. That was back in 2013. Uh,
0: wow, has it been that long? That's yeah. Crazy.
1: So we, she, and I dated each other. I, I use that in in quotation, you know, quotations. Dating. Uh, we dated each other for 40 days, and we documented that experience. Uh, that was. kind of came out as a website and we rolled it out. It was kind of like the first of its kind in that sense it was like a web reality thing where we rolled it out daily Mm -hmm. and each day documented, it was like eight questions that we had to answer. And it was was our writing and it was illustrations and it was videos, all kind of like, you know, was kind of uh, told the story comprehensively together and you follow and and we would update it every day for those 40 days. And it really caught on like wild, you know, it's funny how the internet changes too, because you think about 2013 and, you know, I don't know if something like that could have, could exist right now, but at that moment it went completely viral. And Mm -hmm. uh, we ended up, we ended up, you know, we wrote a book about the experience and we optioned it to Warner brothers as a movie. And now we're, it's still kind of, in it's still been it hasn't happened obviously yet but now we're going to it's very exciting actually very recent news is we're going to be like optioning it to a very well known I don't want to say too much but a well known company okay yeah. yeah yeah
0: yeah that's incredible uh, so, I had no idea it was yeah. doing something now that's yeah yeah, yeah yeah
1: so that's all just really recent news so I'm not gonna we haven't kind of like officially yeah don't jinx it
0: yeah, don't yeah, say yeah. anything what uh, I what, exciting, I, what yeah. I think it's worth if you're if you're watching or listening to this it's worth going to find it like googling it and i remember devouring it just because the hopeless romantic in me was like they're gonna end up together there this is it like we're gonna discover that it was always meant to be the two of them all along well it's interesting people you
1: know a lot of people were like is was this real did you guys just just do this and it's funny because like at the time, you know, I had um, maybe been out of art school for like four years at that point, or or something, or th- maybe five years, and uh, I just started working for myself, doing you know illustration work, and mur- I do a lot of murals and all kinds of stuff. And so I was just really, and so I, we had always, she and I had always done these kind of like experimental projects. Three years, and then we came, we came up with this idea based because we were friends, and because we wanted to use ourselves as a catalyst to work on our opposite relationship problems at the time. And so we, what would it mean? You know, I think all great projects start with that question. It's a very simple question. It's why. What why do I want to make this? Why do I want to see this in the world? Why you know, and how can this help me, help others? What is the story I'm trying to tell, you know? And and, and how can that penetrate people? And how can it and how can it potentially, you know, I think that we are the greatest kind of mat- content, you know, we talk about content all, all the time. You know, we, our lives, our experiences are the greatest content. And uh, it's the same way why people write books and why people make movies and why people, you know, make albums about this stuff. You know, it's the same, same way. And so for me coming from, you know, traditional, I went to art design school, graphic design. So, but how can I take the tools that I have as a creative and tell a story? You know, and the same for Jessica. And so that it was kind of beautiful how it came together. Uh, but we really wanted to make an experiment. That's why there were like, um, five rules that we had to obey for the whole 40 days.
0: Oh yeah. Remember remind, the rules? Remind me what they were. Remind me what they were.
1: Yeah. So the rules were, um, we had to go on a couple, we had to go see a couple's therapist together once a week. Right. Right. Which is a very odd thing when you just been. this is just one of my best friends at that moment. And we're like, going, you yeah. know, we had to a- answer the questionnaire daily which was these mm-hmm. eight questions, which were, which really were the whole foundation of the project. You know, did you see Jessica today? What did you guys do? How do you, how do you feel about things? What would you like to do differently tomorrow? Like these really kind of like introspective questions. And, uh, what were some of the other ones we weren't allowed to like see your date or hook up with anyone else, no rules that right. we had to, uh, and we had to see each other every day for the 40 days. So there were all these, it was like the, uh, these like five or six rules.
0: What do you think, how different would it be if you were going to do it again today as the person you are now?
1: It's interesting because in a lot of ways, I haven't figured out (laughs) all my my relationship problems since then, as none of us will ever in so many different ways. But in a lot of ways, that project really helped me grow Um, in so many ways, just as a as a, as a man, as a man in this world. Um, because you know, because you know, at the time I was kind of, um, I couldn't settle down. I couldn't, I just mm-hmm. couldn't even, like I was just, I was just so consumed with just why I just wanted to work and be focused on my craft and date around. And dating around is fine, of course. Like, you know, shout out to all the, everyone out there. Was, you know what I mean? But like, it's another thing if you're not clear about your intentions, and I don't think I was always clear about my intentions. And um, I think that came out in the project about the way I talked about things. And so because that project went viral at that time, I heard a lot of criticism about me personally, you know, and that was hard because it's just like, yeah, like, you know, uh, that I'm a sexist, I'm a misogynist, all these kind of things. And, and when I came out of that project, I kind of had to f- come to grips with the fact that I was, you know what I mean? And, that, mm-hmm. and I still, I call myself a recovering misogynist. You know what I mean? Like in so many ways, I think most straight cis men in this country, especially in this country, if they looked at themselves in the mirror, they would have to admit it too. Even if you're like squeaky clean kind of a guy, I think the right. way that we have been taught in the society, the way the media portrays things, the way we've learned in our communities from family, from friends through the years have shaped the way we, we, we interact and, um, look at things so yeah I had to learn a lot from that project because of that
0: was that the first time that you had sort of put your the emotional aspects of you inside of relationship that that sort of became your art mm-hmm. so I'm thinking of the and not forgive me because I'm going to forget what you call it but the series of poetry that you do yeah what is it letters uh, to m- a woman m- I memory. never knew or
1: <laughs> yeah I, yeah it's <laughs> it's, <gonna> it's <laughs> loosely called uh, memories of a girl I never knew that yeah yeah.
0: Was that what is that has that always been a part of your process to sort of put those pieces out there or was that the first that was the it?
1: first one. Okay. And so because that thing kind of became its head took on its own life, I realized like, oh, that's what that's what I want. Like that's what that's mm. those are the I want to make more of these kind of things. I want to um really use, you know, as I was saying, like use my life as the material, you know, and talk about these things because I mean the, th- the thing about it is that I feel lonely a lot, you know what I mean? Like I feel tremendous loneliness in the world. And I don't think that's always a bad thing either. You know what I mean? I can be in a relationship. I can be single. I can be happy. I can be sad. Like I always feel kind of like existentially lonely. And I think that like, you know, I always say that like, you know, sharing your personal stories can be a sort of activism, you know, by sharing what's lonely to you and, and things that you're going through, like you connect to other people, of course. So, and those are those those connections are what, what I'm in it for at the end of the day. Mm. Uh, so, if you do your work in the face of that, I think that you can find tremendous meaning for yourself and for others. And I don't know, like if I'm not looking for that, I don't know what I'm in this in it for. You know?
0: Do you do you feel like the loneliness comes from a place of wanting to be known. No. Like there's this, no. no, like, so I I'm curious then the sharing your heart as the antidote to that feeling.
1: Well, there's more, I mean, going to therapy and, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think that, you know, that, like, that's just the, a creative out, outlet.
0: Got it. Um, okay.
1: But I think that obviously like, you know, I'm a big component and I've talked about therapy a lot. Obviously like going back to
0: yeah, you do. You know, and
1: men, it, and men. Incre-
0: I think, incredibly normalizing the work that you're doing because uh, I've, I mean, I've followed your career for so long, and what you've done in the last several years on social, just to talk about mental health and what it feels like and when you're start like is is so important, especially for men. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's, and that's why I do it. You know, I think that the amount of men that have written me or like women have written me saying like, Oh, I sent this to my boyfriend or whatever. And like, you know, or like, Oh, you inspired me to go to therapy for the first time. Cause I even talk about like, you know, so many different forms, like there's, you know, there's cost effective ways, you know, whether it's like text therapy, Um, you know, there's so many different ways that one can find help today. Um, that might not be the answer to everything, but it's a start, you know, to be proactive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm always trying to talk about those things, and and through that, you know, I feel a little less lonely sometimes because of it, you know. And don't get me wrong; it's not it's not like I'm a walking uh, gloomy person all the time, but it's just, <laughs> especially as a creator, you know, like it it, it forces me to kind of like face it if I'm going to be honest you know, I think that there's, there's incredible beauty about that. I think the way that society talks about loneliness is actually uh, really detrimental. You know, I think that it can be your friend. Oftentimes it's when I'm at my most creative oftentimes, Mm -hmm. you know, and oftentimes it doesn't have to be, you can sit with it. You can meditate with it. You can be it. You know what I mean? And I think it's, it's just like the weather, you know, it comes and it goes like anything. And so how, how do you find yourself in, in the face of all of that is what is what's important to me. So
0: explain, or or will you talk me through how do you even decide the next medium or sort of the next thing to try? We talked about this experiment you did with your friends, you do graphic design, you do murals, you're a poet, you know, you're, <laughs> you I feel like to watch you over the years, I feel like is to watch an evolution, which is so inspiring. And I'm not a part of the art world at all. So I don't, Forgive me if that's a very normal thing and I just am a country mouse and I don't know it. (laughs) I don't think so. Um, But but how, what does that look like for you? Is that a seat, like you go through a season and now you want to try something new?
1: I guess it depends, you know, like I've always, like with that project, you know, because I I was able to kind of like, we were able to create something and I also like doing it with, with, like as a co-creator, as a collaborator with a friend that really, you know, she and I went on and did several other kind of social experiments. And and creating with someone is so special because you really get to like balance out each other's weaknesses on projects and bring so much to the table. So that, that, I mean, Jessica and I creating together over the years is is something that was really important. I don't know, I think through that, I've always just been a, a writer in the sense of like, I've always journaled and written poetry since I was a teenager. And so I think that it just naturally became because these social experiments we were doing early on, uh, we were writing a lot and we we're, you know, open, talk, talking. It was like almost like those these projects are just like reading one a person's like diary, you know what I mean? And so it just kind of made sense that I would just, I don't know, I just was like, well... I've had a lot of experiences and I I like to write. So why not just start posting these things to Instagram, you know, and see what happens, see if people like it, you know, like it was really scary and, and, and exciting to, to, to share them. And, you know, people seem to like them. So it just, it just was, it just became kind of a natural progression. Now that then became uh, something else because then I started like, you know, because I'm a muralist, I do a lot of wall murals. So then I started taking these things I'm writing and start putting on the walls or, you know, and then I had a Uniglo collaboration with all my writings and stuff like that, or West Elm collaboration. And so, like, what, for, so in a way, you start, you make the content first because you need to make it. And then, mm. um, and then maybe it finds a home in a, in, a, in a more, in a different way, you know? Maybe then it could, yeah, it can become apparel or it could be on walls or, um, but I've always kind of like, you have to work from the inside out first with those kind of things. So I think it just kind of became a natural progression as a person who likes to, uh, but also, you know, I don't know, I'm a Gemini cusp. So, you know, I get bored easy and I like to make a lot of different things.
0: Right. Well, there's something interesting too, about uh, this is sort of the opposite of of the way that I feel like people start a lot of times is that this idea of creating because this thing needs to exist. Um, And I am totally in agreement with you on this because I always wrote because it was this thing that I love to do. It was my hobby. It was my creative expression. And I, if five people read it, I was like, holy crap, that's yeah. amazing. Five people read it. And so I, I would love for you to talk to what it looks like to pursue something for the art itself, for the creation itself, because it did become a lucrative thing for you. Mm-hmm. I assume that mm-hmm. I'm basing this off of the deals that you've been able to have in the places that your murals exist sure. and the fact that it's in one of my books. <laughs> but what did like when did that start to shift for you? If, if people are listening to this and they're creators, artists, writers, where they're trying to create the art because they have the passion to do so, was it something that you pursued turning it into a career or did that flow once you started to achieve a certain level of excellence? It's an
1: interesting question because I think I, I, I don't know if there's a straight answer for it because, you know, I, I went to school for graphic design and early in my career, I worked in branding and then I worked at Apple for a year before I worked for myself. So I always thought about things commercially in a way, you know, mm-hmm. being, uh, because we, yeah, we were, I worked with all these brands and, and all this kind of stuff uh at at these um at these jobs i had of course so and it never it, it so so even now i still like i do things uh how would i say it? i do things for money i do things for corporations um and then i also still do you know i still write for myself i still do street art for myself mm-hmm. i do all kinds of things you know and sometimes these things overlap of course and 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 then i think the more you do them the more that things there's a more of an intersection where brands just start coming to you because they want, they want what you have to, they want your opinion. They want what you have to make. And, and sometimes it can be a little more skewed towards the brand. Sometimes they just, they just fully want what you have. But I think it really is. It's just like, it's like that old Miles Davis quote. Like you, you have to play a long time before you can play like yourself and it's the same thing with this. You have to make a lot of stuff before you can make stuff like yourself. So it's just, I've always just been that kind of person. It's just like just, just exhaust all possibilities. Make things, find the time, make things for yourself. Make if make things to, to have a roof over your head. Just make things, throw it against the wall, see what sticks, and 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 hold the thing that that really means something to you or others sacred, you know, and try to and then try to find a place for that to, to flourish in some way, you know, and, and make space for yourself to do it. But I think the question also comes back on, and this is a question for you actually, once then, I'm also curious about like, cause once you do kind of maybe get known for the thing that you love so much, then how do you find the space to keep loving it or to, you know?
0: Right. Like it's such a, it's such an insightful question. Cause it is the thing I, I've, I struggle with the most. I started as a fiction writer and fiction is my heart. I love making up worlds. And then I, I mean, I don't believe in sort of an accident. I believe that everything happens the way that it's meant to. I wrote what I thought would be my single nonfiction work and it exploded. Mm -hmm. And suddenly then I was kind of thrust into this place where what was always meant to be my hobby, this like little thing that I kept for myself became what I am known for mm-hmm. and what I I'm actually in this place right now of sort of what what people want from me and when I say people I mean the publishing industry or my agent or the world who reads my books. yeah what they would like for me what I also know would be financially very lucrative yeah. and that I know I can do I don't know if you ever yeah, sort of experienced course. that where you're like well I know I can do I can give you guys exactly what you want but then I feel like the projects that are on my heart keep getting pushed further and further away yeah. from where I am. And you think, oh, let me just get through this one thing. Let me just finish this. But there's never that. No, so I'm never. in an interesting season right now where I'm I'm like, okay, I, I know what it would be, but do I want to just sort of stick the flag in the ground and and let it go? Yeah. Because I think, have you ever read Big Magic? No. By Liz Gilbert? Yeah. <gasps> Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, it's literally, I'm sure Chelsea- <laughs> Writing it right down right now. now. Writing it every down Every right other now. person I do this with. So Liz Gilbert wrote this book called Big Magic, where she talks about this idea of your creative thing, whatever it is, ice skating, painting dogs, you know, sure. murals, to, if at all possible, keep that for yourself mm-hmm. and never monetize it. Mm. Because when you monetize it, it becomes- something different it becomes part of whoever is paying for access to that thing i was talking to another author friend of mine the other day and she said once you release your your project whatever it is it no longer belongs to you yeah it belongs to the world exactly and you have to keep it those sacred things sacred
1: yeah yeah no it's it's so real It's hard though, too, you know, it's like I come from, you know, when I think about my background and stuff, like I come from Cleveland, Ohio, very blue collar, you know, uh, low to middle class background. And like, it's hard because like you, you want to like, in so many ways, I kind of, I I struggle with um, that, that because I'm no longer, you know, I'm living a a life that I was kind of
0: imposter syndrome,
1: not really imposter syndrome, more like, um, I don't know, it'll come to me. So I'm dealing with the fact that, like, I don't, I'm, I don't, like, I'm living what I always wanted my dream to be in so many ways. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And there, there can be a lot of like guilt about that, you know? Yes. And yes, there can be a lot like, so sometimes I struggle with that and I don't know what to do with that, that, that energy.
0: I also, I had a, I had a really hard time. In 2018, when the that first book really exploded, I had a really hard time. And this is, I understand that what I am about to say is like such a douchey privilege thing, but it's real. I lost momentum. Mm-hmm. I lost motivation. I came from very poor, very humble beginnings. And my whole life was always about someday. Yeah. Someday I'm gonna have this thing. Someday, someday. And then all of a sudden, my life exceeded my dreams mm-hmm. and I didn't know who am I, yeah. if I'm not chasing something, mm-hmm. who am I if I'm not pushing this boulder up the hill. Yeah. And I, I really struggled with how can I even dream again when I'm, I'm more blessed right now and more, and luckier and more privileged than anybody ever I even thought I yeah. could be. And so it felt like such an asshole, like how dare you want more for yourself but that was a huge struggle for me. Of like, what do I do with? Yeah. This, I think it's Whitman has this great old essay called "The Catastrophe of Success." Mm-hmm. If you've never, I read know it, it, I know it. Is, it. It's phenomenal, and um, yeah, it, it took me a really long time to feel comfortable, kind of to dream again. Isn't it
1: funny? Like some, like I, what you're saying, like I want, I want everything. But then <laughs> yeah. I also don't feel like I deserve anything at the same time mm. in a weird way. You know what I mean? Like that it's, it's such an interesting kind of dichotomy to, to, to balance with. So.
0: Right. I don't know. What does it look like when you say when you're, when you want everything, is that sort of the expansion of what your career looks like? Like how does that manifest for you? Yeah.
1: In a, yeah, of course. You know, I think it's just like, you know, it's hard because like Instagram doesn't make anything easy for anyone, you know, especially like, doesn't matter where you're at you're always going to be like comparing yourself to whoever or whatever or looking at someone else you know it's just that that never helps so i think it it puts on like impossible insatiable desire you know about what we think we want or and i don't know if that's necessarily gone away because of the pandemic you know what i mean if anything maybe it's even made it worse because we're all like so much more on our phones that's real you know so I don't know. It's, it's all fascinating to me, but uh, it's 25 degrees here in New York. And, you know, it's interesting because I don't know how you're dealing with it like a year into this, but I am feeling really uninspired about everything (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) of creatively, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, I keep telling like younger designers and stuff like that who I know, like, I'm just like, listen, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Like, right it's okay if you can't make that personal project right now, you know, it's okay if you can't find the space to like, you know, cause you're just trying to like survive and try to, and trying to make sense of all this, you know, like the trauma of it, you know, in a way.
0: Yes. Yes. And I think the trauma that we will carry long after everyone has been vaccinated and it's sort of now the world looks different. I think we will carry the ramifications of this for years and years I am, I am so with you because one of the questions I get so much right now from my community is they're feeling burnout. And what do I do? And how do I get that energy back? I'm like, of course you're burnout. Yeah. Of course you're burnout. You're trying to work while at home with your kids who are also at home. You're worried about your cousin, like that, you know, your sister lost her job. Like uh, yeah. this is so much to carry. And I do think that there was, you know, thank God that, we are in the place that we're in with Washington. Thank God yeah. that things are shifting. Thank God we have a vaccine. All of these things, right? But just because we're making change by slow degrees doesn't mean that everything for the last year didn't happen. And we're still holding that. Yeah. I do think this, this has been an incredible, like the last 10 months has been such an incredible change in my life um, because of the pandemic, because of what that meant to my business and the team of people who work with me here. And then also I went through a divorce. Mm -hmm. And when all of your paradigms get turned on their head, Mm -hmm. there is a beauty in things being burned down there. And I live my life where I'm always sort of, okay, how, what am I supposed to learn here? What's the, what, what am I gleaning from this situation? And it was fucking hard. 2020 was so fucking hard. And I also know other people had it so much harder than I do. Yeah. That being said in for a lot, I'm going to sound like such a, Pollyanna, but like within those (laughs) ashes, there was something beautiful because I had to ask myself, what do you want? Dude, what do you want out of your life? Because I've experienced financial success. I've had success in relationship. I've had success with a business, all the things. And it can be gone like that. Mm -hmm. So what do you want to hold on to? Like what, what can you hold on to when everything else falls away? Mm. And I feel like I just, I, I have gotten back To an essential sort of version of me that I would not have known existed were it not for the last year. Yeah. Cause I would have just kept going and achieving and trying. And um Mm -hmm. I actually I I spent my birthday weekend, my birthday's at the beginning of the year, and I spent my birthday Ah. weekend with my best girlfriends. And they are the most amazing humans on the planet. And and we sat around and we dreamed and we drank and we you know talked about what we hope like all the stuff that we we do and I left that experience with my heart so full
1: that's great I'm
0: so excited and I don't know if that's an option for you but I I actually just wrote hand wrote everybody thank you notes today and was just saying like my favorite memories with you are these things but those are the people that that when everything else is stripped away those are my people And they're always going to be my people. And so coming back to that, like, that's what I want to hold. It doesn't matter if I have another bestseller. It doesn't matter what happens with the business. Like, are the people that I love good? Mm -hmm. Are we still able to laugh and drink whiskey together? Yes. I am so blessed. Yeah, for sure. So, So has it felt, it's felt as you come into this new year, you feel sort of like, is it like a rest season? Is it a time to kind of plant yourself and...
1: It might be i think that i think it's funny because this is my favorite time of year especially in in the east coast of new york we're past the holidays we're past the new year right so all you know so much of society is just built on like the currents of like us waiting doing doing whatever we need to do to get to the to the next thing getting to summer getting to the right. vacation getting to our birthday getting to the holidays and this time, more than any other time of the year, collectively, like, generally, it's like, everybody, it's all like, because the holidays, you're just like, it's all, you know, kind of done. And so there's nothing really to like, quote, unquote, look forward to. And it's cold as hell here in New York. <laughs> so January, February is such this perfect time to like, really live with yourself in a different kind of way. And and, mm-hmm. and, and there's great strength in solitude. And so I've always really kind of like really adored this time of year, but it's hard during a pandemic when you can't see people and you can't go into your favorite cozy little bar and you can't do anything, you know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. except go to a museum, but can't go to the movies. You can't, you know, so, so that's been kind of tricky for me this month. And my, my grandparents are kind of going through a hard time. My grandpa has COVID He's in the hospital. Oh,
0: no. So, oh, no. yeah,
1: that's been really stressful. He's doing better. He's doing all right. We'll see. You know, it's just day by day, but like, he's like sleeping 22 hours a day. He's like, you know, he's 86 so COVID just affects everybody so differently. So that's really scary. So yeah, there's just kind of like, I gashed my finger recently. Like I just, there's things going on over here. (laughs) Right. Right. But you know, I have work, I'm blessed, I'm privileged as hell to be able to like, you know, still like have clients and do work and, you know, and so, you know, it's just, uh, it's just one of those times.
0: But. Have you been able to? I mean, that, forgive me if it's such a stupid question because I don't know what it feels like on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. I've always been sort of California, and now I'm in Texas. Yeah. Have you been able to get out of the city at all since this began? I, like, is there a? I've
1: gone upstate. Okay. So I don't know how much you know about upstate, but it's very beautiful and. So I've lots, heard it's pretty. Yeah, there's lots to do. I've gone upstate several times. I've been, I've been to Philadelphia. But that's it. I haven't. So I'm a person who, for my job, I travel generally 100 to 120 days a year,
0: wow. Because
1: I'm either being, I'm either doing a mural somewhere for a company or on a building, or I speak at a lot of uh, yeah, design and art creative conferences all over the world. So that, and it's something I really love to do. You know, it's just it's such mm-hmm. a joy to be able to to just travel so much. So. It, You know, it's such a obviously a change of pace to not be doing, but to now go, I've now I'm kind of like, I love the fact that I haven't been on a plane in a year a little bit, right? And I'm kind of like, I just I just want to see how long this goes. Like I kind of (laughs) like like for someone who's just like on an airplane like fifty times a year or something, like I just love that. Yeah. So you know, there's that.
0: I honestly I miss I just was saying on the interview before you I miss human I'm an extrovert and so I yeah. you know we have a production tomorrow so everyone's been tested and I can see like a couple members of my team yeah and I see my kids and and my best friends were in a bubble together yeah. but I'm like I just want to go meet a new person yeah. like I want to shake someone's hand and yeah. like I miss I miss travel so much yeah. and I keep playing like games with myself of like, Oh, well maybe I'm like, bitch, where are you going? What are you
1: about?
0: Exactly. Like, like the world's different than it is. Yeah. So, no, it's um, tough. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think like, I, I appreciate the, the honesty in just saying like, yeah, it's a, this is where I am right now. And this is what's yeah. happening because I think this is most people's stories. Yeah. And I, I think that for a lot of us, it is a true winter of like, we are planted in the ground Mm -hmm. and this is where we need to be right now. And it's not pretty and it's not blooming and there's nothing exciting about it, but this is just as necessary as springtime. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Especially for, you know, like as a New Yorker, a proud New Yorker, I have not loved all the narratives about about New York and it is struggling because, you know, it's hard, you know, you, you, you walk, you, you, and you see your favorite restaurant or a restaurant that's been there for 50 years or something. And it's gone. Like it's closed. Like it's not just closed. It's closed forever. Yeah. And, and you're just like, geez, like every version of whatever you thought your New York was, or maybe someone, maybe, maybe your city is just different it's gone or it's changed. And it's like, you know, I've been like rewatching some sex in the city recently is problematic because that show can, can be, (laughs) I've been rewatching it and just having this, just deep yearning for like a pre COVID New York, you know, like what it means Mm -hmm. to just like, you know, like grab a drink with a friend after work or whatever. Like there's just none of that anymore. And like so many of my friends have moved. They don't even live here anymore.
0: Yeah. You know? And it,
1: cause it is a hard, I get it. Like, this is part of me that kind of like is judgmental of like how could you leave this city, you you know like it's like I, I get very like protective of it because it's like this is not this is more than a than something to consume. It's a community of people and people have to live and you know and like put your put your money here like you know what I mean like. If, if you're successful, like don't just leave New York because you can't go to your fancy events anymore. But, but at the same time, I get it. You know what I mean? Like I get that, like, if you're stuck with just you and your apartment in New York, you have a small apartment, probably, you know, maybe you don't have a rooftop. So you're not doing any of the things that you were. So I get why you're like, I want to move to wherever. Uh, I'm not saying obviously if you need to, you know, if you can't afford to live here anymore and you need to move home or something, I have no, there's nothing, I have no qualms or obviously like judgments about that. But so many like successful people I know here are like, I'm I'm out for LA, peace. And I'm just yeah. like, there's just a part of me that's just like, ah, I, I hate you, but I get it. I get it. You know, like it's tough. So, It'll but that's interesting what. interesting
0: to see what this, what this creates, right? Like, Even, even in the, I know this sounds like whatever, but even in the, like, there are going to be bad parts about this. There are going to be incredible things. There will be, uh, because always when we sort of those things that are lost, I just hold on to what, you know, what we experienced as a country in 2020 and the four years previous to that was so fucking awful to watch. But also was, we had to see the houses built on sand. Do you know what I mean? Like, things had to be brought to light. Things had to be burned down. We had to go through, like, this tipping point of, like, oh, look at all this shit that's buried under what we've been ignoring. And so uh, it's it's the hopeful Pollyanna and me. But I'm just going to keep holding out that, like, what we just saw with the election, mm-hmm. what we just saw with georgia like these are things that none of us thought could ever happen Mm -hmm. and it happened Mm -hmm. and so i just i'm gonna hold out that there's some even in the midst of like the ashes there's gonna be goodness here
1: i think so i hope so i think it's also imperative for us to be like you know it's like now that biden's president like okay especially for like white folks it's like all right we need to keep looking in the mirror we need to keep having important dialogues with our communities with our family we need to you know talk more about what what white privilege means white supremacy means more you know all of these things and uh to not let up about those kind of things like yes we're glad the orange man is out of the office obviously the damage he did was horrible but so much so much of it can't you know we see what Biden's doing right now like you know you know, changing so many executive orders for so many things that were so de- detrimental. So, like, yes, that needs to happen, and it's good that that's happening. But we, how do we take you know more responsibility in our own day to day lives with the people around us? is re- is really imperative, I think, going forward. So,
0: no, yeah. I I agree. I think it's like it is a this incredible thing we've been able to affect change because honestly, coming into the election, I was like. Oh my God, are no way, are we gonna and God? But it that that doesn't change what how many it was a very close election. Mm-hmm. That doesn't change that that is the reality. That doesn't change that there was this whole sort of it was like kindling, right? Like all of these people who have these racist, misogynistic, hateful opinions about others. They've always been here, yeah, always been right? Here. Like you just needed the, you know, the spark of a leader like that to bring everything to light. So when I say sort of the tipping point, it's not to say that what has happened is good, but I think it was something that we needed to see as a country. Like this is still, racism is still deeply ingrained in who we are. Mm-hmm. That is something that we, as people who are white, need to take ownership of. Uh, you know, watching sort of the, the fallout of, um, especially amongst women who are sort of like so upset to learn that they have white privilege. I shouldn't be laughing. And then put the ownership of their, like, learning on Black women. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, tell me what I'm supposed to read. Tell me what I'm supposed to listen yeah. to. Tell me how to do It's like, fuck you, dude. Like, don't make this. Mm-hmm her, she already has to carry the trauma of what this is. Like, it's not her job to explain this to you. I was just going to say, what does it look like for you to continue? Like, is it continuing to educate yourself? Mm Because one thing I do want to call out is you were the first person, this was years ago. You were the first person that I saw actively talking about when people were not able, when people would reach out to book you to speak, Mm -hmm. that you were very public about, Hey, thank you for asking me. I'm a white man. I would love, here's a list of people who are incredible speakers, incredible artists, who have diversity, who are women, who are LGBTQ, who are different. Like you were the first person that I saw like owning that. And this was years ago. So what does it look like for you to continue that education for yourself?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's just, it's A, to be consistent, to continue to do it. You know, and it's not that I, obviously, I speak and stuff, but it's about having those, those, you know, quite frankly, really uncomfortable conversations with curators and people who who are, you know, if I'm speaking on a panel, if I'm speaking at a conference, and and I I ask to see like who you know who's speaking or whatever, it's like, and it's about having, you know, and that can be, you know, it can be a turnoff for a lot of these people sometimes, and that's fine. Like, it's just I'm not going to be stuck on another. Uh, speaking gig you know with just all like white guys or whatever like you right. know and they need to know they need Story to know life. them about themselves you know and it's like so have those conversations and it, it that that trickles down into other ways you brand partnerships and people were like oh we were hiring five artists to be a part of whatever this this partnership for you know n- name any popular brand it's like okay who are the other artists are you making sure that these artists Am I going to be probably the only white guy? Are there going to be, you know, women of color? Are there going to be, you know, people from the LGBT community? Like, what, like, how are you making this inclusive? Now, obviously this goes much deeper because so many of these, you know, and we saw that after, especially in like my industry, I saw a lot of that after the whole George Floyd thing where, okay, this company is going to hire a black artist for this, right? But then- mm-hmm. What is the company actually doing in, inside? You know what I mean. Like right. who? Like who's who's leader? Their leadership. Like all of that. You know. And I have no control over any of that stuff. So, it's, but it's just really interesting to see that. Like it still becomes performative, and it's like really good that they should be hiring like artists or people, you know, to for as visibility. But it's also like I think it goes much deeper. And having those conversations, that, you know, that I don't know if I don't really, you know, I think it's beyond me and my and my knowledge about what that is but so i'm just trying you know i'm just always trying to do whatever i can in my little work sector of the world over here you know it's just like and and that also applies to everybody you know having those uncomfortable conversations with your family even your liberal family you know what i mean because like i had conversations with people who are very close to me who who did like certain aspects of the protests and the rioting and stuff like that and it's like okay but like why are you focusing on this and this and this and not the systemic issues? Why aren't you, you know, why are you so mad about this Kmart or target, but you're not mad about X, Y, and Z systemically. It's like, you know, just having those conversations. And, and, and so I just think it's, that's what I'm you know kind of always doing and and trying to do and using your audience. If you have an audience or your social media audience and talking about these things and, you know, I think, and there's always an aspect that is kind of like virtue signaling, but that's not always, I don't know if it's always a bad thing either. You know what I mean? I think that like, it's also important, like we all, like everybody wants to like also kind of let people know like, no, 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 I stand for these things as well. I think mm-hmm. it's fine to tell people that you stand for them, but you also have to be being proactive behind the scenes.
0: I, I've I've been thinking about that a lot in the last couple of weeks of there is such a, I mean, watching the inauguration, we we're all bawling, like, just like, Oh my God. They, like it just feels like this fresh start and this new moment, but how do we, how do we keep having the conversations? And, and honestly, how do we keep having conversations that are fucking brutal when we're already yeah. dealing with so many hard things? And when I think that all of us are, are wanting so desperately to, to cling to hope right now, But there, I just feel like we're going those sort of, I'm talking for myself, this, this doesn't have to be for anybody else. But I want to like, keep reminding myself, like, don't, don't put the blinders back on. Like all the books that, you know, this summer that we were, and we were book clubbing as a team, and we were reading all the things and we were trying to learn more. And like, don't stop. Don't stop trying to understand this. You didn't, you didn't get it because you read five books. Yeah. Like it's, and continuing to have conversations. And I think what that looks like in my own life, and I'm just going to say this for maybe anybody who's listening to this is a willingness to get it wrong. I was doing an interview for the skin last week and they were asking me about, you know, what do you say if, if, you know, in the past and people have said you, you haven't been inclusive enough. And I'm like, all I can ever do is keep showing up. And when I get it wrong, I'm going to own it. And I'm going to learn more and I'm going to do better. Mm-hmm. And that's all. I yeah. You do, will fuck up. Right. You
1: have, you will. Oh my God. But that's
0: absolutely. That's
1: okay. You know, you have to just keep doing
0: it. Well, it's like, what, what is your ego more important than what's happening mm-hmm. in our country? Like, are you willing to, to ask? And, and I'm super blessed. And then I have very close friends who have always allowed me to ask like, Hey, uh, yeah. a dumb question. Or can you explain this to me? But even if you don't have that, like, I just feel like the information is so available. And I just, it's, it's like, we have to keep talking about it. And I know, like, as two white people sitting here having this conversation, there's a, there's a level of sort of douchey that can come up. And that's not the intent at all. It's just, it can't be sort of like, okay, we checked the box and and there's a different person in the White House and now everything's yeah. kind of... I don't think there's anything douchey exactly.
1: about this. I think this is exactly what white people should be doing. You know what I mean? Mm. They need to be having these conversations. I, I think that it's just about having those uncomfortable conversations, being okay with being afraid to, to talk to each other about it, to not ask Black folks or people of color about their things, to Google it, to... You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like to read any number of right. thousands and millions of books that are out there uh, to follow people, to see, you know, it's like I always said, like, how can you you can't like how can you understand those who are marginalized if you're not letting them be present in your lives? You know what I mean? Right. So who are you following on social media? Who, mm-hmm. What kind of music are you listening to? What kind of books are you reading? Right. What kind of media are you consuming? You know what I mean? If right. it's all white, 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 well, then how, how are you supposed to, uh, you know, understand anything?
0: Well, I would also say that I think a really powerful decision to make is if you're, if and when you're following activists in your social feeds, that you follow people whose opinions you like.
1: Yeah. Maybe are drawing to you. you.
0: Yeah. that you, you're like, "Uh," and every time that that's my response, I'm like, oh, what do we got to, what does that say about you? Mm -hmm because this is her truth, or this is his truth. And yes. his truth has nothing to do with your story. So how in the world did you just make that person's story have anything to do with your own experience? So I think there's incredible power in just fucking listening. Yeah. Just listen. And and just, oh, so it's worth when, if you're listening to this, you're like, yes, you guys, I'm going to go and make sure that my feed is a representation of the world, not just a representation of the world that looks like me. Be sure that you're also following people that do rub you the wrong way. I think we've lost this as a a society, this willingness to be in conversation with those who don't think exactly like we think. And I feel like that's where we're missing or, or that's where it's missing if you're you don't understand, you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to hear that. That doesn't apply to me. I'm not that no, you fuck. Yeah. Pull up a chair. Yeah. It's time to time to start listening to people besides
1: No, it's true. You know, and it's interesting cause, cause, like you. Cause like people and then people will say, Well, okay, Rachel, I agree with you. So why don't you listen to me when I'm a Trump supporter? And these issues, right? You ever get that?
0: Right. Oh. I mean, I haven't. I feel like maybe my audience knows better. I do think, though, that there's something to if you are not in community, let's say with right wing Republicans, if you are not like I come from a very southern family, mm-hmm. I have, if I'm not willing to get in conversations with those people. Who are they ever going to hear it from? No, you have to get in those conversations, all, yeah, right? I like, do too. They all are surrounded by people who are just like them. So if I'm not willing to be in community with my family and and be like, what, what are you even talking about right now? Then we're missing that sort of that sort of dialogue. Yeah. I don't know the it, the it's you, the Trump supporter thing is like you are either deeply uninformed, which I yeah. actually can believe given how the internet works or you are uh, you're okay with the fact that he is misogynistic yeah, racist yeah, okay like all of these things and you don't care. Yeah.
1: You don't and care. And you want to yeah. wrap
0: that in taxes it's or whatever it's not you enough call for it. you
1: to not vote for him. You know what I mean? And that's a Absolutely. That's obviously a massive problem. It's interesting I I, <laughs> I posted a video back in uh I think it was like god I don't know when it was September or something. I spray painted a Trump sign. And <laughs> did you see it? You probably did.
0: Wait, was it like in a neighborhood?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I spray-painted yes, sp- it. Up actually, yeah. And I mean, I've been, you know, I've been very outspoken for years about all this stuff. So I think at this point like people who follow me they just they know they're not they, you know, but like that one really I could not believe how many, you know, uh white, quote-unquote, liberal folks were just done with me. I'm on unf- like you this is,
0: Why?
1: and it was just really interesting to, it just to observe, you know, like, cause here's the thing. I'm not I'm not a political pundit. I'm not, like, sometimes I just wild out. Like, I don't, like, I'm just the person. Right. Like, I might <laughs> like, just spray paint a Trump sign because I can't, I'm just literally like. literally
0: do street
1: <laughs> art. <laughs> yeah, I know, right. do street, but like, I know I'm not, I'm not even posting this to have real political discourse. Like, I don't know. I just, I thought like, you know what? Like, and, and people would say, well, how would you feel if we spray paint or someone spray painted your Biden side? And I said, Well, does the Biden side represent uh, white supremacy and right. kids in cages right. at the border and, right. and literally sticking up for Nazis? Like I like because because if it did, maybe I lost. I missed something because I didn't think that's something. Right. So they're not comparable. First of all, second, second of all, it's a five dollar yard sign. Like. Yeah. Like, like. Right.
0: There's more where that came from. I just
1: really like. Why are you not more mad about what this sign stands for than the fire? Now, I'm not saying you have to think I'm mature, because clearly I was very immature. But <laughs> you know what? It's just. It's. I don't know. It's just really interesting to see how mad people were at me.
0: Right. Right. So anyways. Well, it's also fascinating. It's fascinating that the way the like it should be so telling that the wave that this person was hurt the most was by taking away his access to social media
1: Mm, yeah of course yeah
0: which just is just like this whole thing was a circus this it was all whatever and every not everybody but a large segment of the population just ate that up oh yeah which is again another reminder that Things need to be burned down.
1: And we have gone
0: all over the place
1: We have, we have.
0: We got deeply into politics. We talked about art, which is sort of how I anticipated. Well, you
1: know, I mean, I I make a lot of stuff based on this. A lot of the street art I do, especially in the last year or two, like have have been just, you know, big kind of quotes that I write about this kind of stuff. So, but it's, it's another thing, you know, it's interesting is like, it goes back to that, what was happening over the summer, like more, more of the, you know, and I saw that with the Trump sign with these liberal people that were following me, but I crossed the line with this one, when it, when it comes to property, right? when it's proper, even if it's a $5, oh. yard sign, it's like, no, like you have gone, this is, you know, and, and it's interesting, you know, like I just, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, so, it's really interesting Oh, well, to see how- it's a,
0: there's, there's some weird, for sure. I, um, when Biden got elected, I posted a picture that I had with him because I'd gotten mm-hmm. to interview him for the podcast. And I was like, how many people have a picture with the president? Yeah. This feels so rad. And I just said like, Hey, this is a huge deal. We still have a ton of work to do as a country, but I'm so hopeful for the first time in a long time. I lost 150,000 Instagram followers. 150,000? Oh, like
1: 150,000?
0: <laughs> like that. Yeah. Right. Because it would, it would which is so crazy of that, that for you, like if someone doesn't think exactly like you, this idea, you can't be in conversation. You can't have someone in your feed yeah. who doesn't vote like you is fucking crazy. That's not who I want. Yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, good for you for that. You know what I mean? Like, cause a lot of people, would just not don't, you know, and you, you see it, you can see the people who are timid to take a stance, timid to, to say anything about this kind of stuff, especially with the kind of audience you have, you know, it's like people get really, you know, really safe about these things. Um, right. And it trickles right. down, you know, to like different kinds of like Instagram influencers or whoever, you know, like people... People become very apolitical and there's, but to me, there's no such thing, you know, there's no, you can't, mm-hmm. everything is political, whether you know it or not, especially in my, like right. any kind of art you make, anytime you're putting something out there, uh, even like anything, a book, a podcast, whatever, we're all in the business of consequence. So is it, it, it all takes form in some way, whether you like it or know it or not, you know what I mean?
0: Right. So, right. We're all in the business of consequence. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be my quote for our time together. Um, <laughs> hey, man, I am like, I'm sincerely grateful that I got to hang out with you. No, this was. so cool. I am cool. looking Thank forward you. to a world where we're going to do this in person someday. Um, I New I New almost saw you.
1: It was the day after your op- you met Oprah, right? Right. Oh, right. When was did. that? Yeah. That was must
0: like, have not been... It was February. That's right. It was, February, it was right before the pandemic. Yeah. Right, right. I was out. like, hey, come meet us for drinks.
1: Who would have known? That Next was my time, last man. shot to me. Raise- oh, chance. my God.
0: Next time, we're going to go to a co- to one of those bars that you are wishing you can go to right now. <sighs>
1: cozy New York and bars. There's nothing like them.
0: Honestly. <laughs> we'll continue this conversation. <laughs> I really do want to make sure that listeners who aren't already familiar with you go follow you on Instagram because you are one of my favorite feeds to consume just through the art, through the poetry. I, I swear to God, it like reading one of your, the memories of the girl I never knew. Every time I like feel like that was my love affair and I'm like, oh my God. So tell people where they can find you.
1: At Timothy Goodman on Instagram at Timothy O. Goodman on Twitter, but I don't really tweet any much anymore. So Instagram's the place. Right. Also, Twitter. please follow Instagram. at People of Craftsmanship on Instagram. It's a art wow. initiative built by me and my friend, Amelie Lamont, that that just highlights creative of color in all kinds of industries like photography and illustration oh, and art. So we, you know... This
0: I tr- is gorgeous, this feed. I
1: just try to have it updated every day or two. Um, it's just new people that maybe you've never heard of that are do doing incredible work in the world, so...
0: That's awesome. All right, man. Thank you so much for the time. I sincerely appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to doing this again someday. Can't wait. The Rachel Hollis podcast is hosted by me, Rachel Hollis. Our show is produced by Chelsea Harfouche and edited by Andrew Weller with additional production support by Sterling Coates. Our executive producer is Cameron Berkman. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is a 3% chance production.
2: Hey y'all, my name is Darren and I'm a visual designer at The Hollis Co. And I also write our monthly cultural newsletter for our company called Sway. Sway newsletter is all about subtle movements that adapt change. We all have the ability to change things for the better. All this month, I introduced black artists, works, cultural moments, and female activists to shine a little light on the importance of Black History Month. These were key elements that have caught my eye that isn't really talked about that I needed to share. Welcome back to Sway Digital. As we come to an end to Sway Digital's section on the importance of Black History Month, I wanted to take this time to appreciate the things that we talked about. At the beginning, I spoke about Rosie Myers and her brand, Resistance Fashion. Rosie's brand and mission statement is something truly beautiful and powerful. A strong black woman supporting black artists to curate artwork for her apparel line, to not only give a voice to black creators, but to also donate proceeds to local black communities in need. She is a true pillar in the black community. We also spoke about how black women changed the world and continue to do so to this day. From the movement of hashtag Black Girl Magic by Kashawn Thompson to author Kelly Nicole Gross and Dana Ramey Berry and their writings on black women and activists in her book, A Black Woman's History of the United States. It is a true eye opener on how this history is overlooked and should be more appreciated. And let us not forget how Yaa Jesse talked about the inequality in the educational system and how African Americans have to work twice as hard just to get at par which led us to the current works of Amanda Gorman and her unprecedented piece at the inauguration. Last week, we focused on the works of Black culture through music, how Black music has shaped the world as we know it today, from gospel to rock and roll to electronic dance music and creating the the genre hip-hop. Black people's contributions continue to grow and evolve, creating more prominent genres. Through our Sway internal newsletter, I showcase local black creators, resources on how to support black businesses and communities, and must-read articles. I've talked about an artist on one of my newsletters that I wanted to bring to light. Adrian Armstrong is an artist of many mediums, from music to painting to printmaking and his favorite, ballpoint pen. Adrian expresses his works through black identity and how the black body is perceived in the predominantly white American spaces. He portrays what it means to be an African-American living in modern America. The fine details of his drawings touches on topics such as depression within the black community, systemic oppression, and identity erasure, while also pointing out nostalgia, growth, and success. His work has been shown in several publications throughout his years, from the Warfield Center at University of Texas to several exhibitions throughout Austin. Not only does he create beautiful art pieces, but also donates proceeds to local organizations to help out the black community. Organizations such as Austin Justice Coalition, Black Visions Collective, the Black Trans Organization, and many more. If you want to see more of his work and find ways to support this amazing artist, you can find his works at adrianarmstrongart.com or his Instagram handle at adrianarmstrongart. After reviewing his work, I did more dig in to find a collective he works with called Brown State of Mind. Brown State of Mind is an art collective dedicated to strengthening the community through advocacy, education, and contemplative practice. They carry out several branches to expand community through their new ways of thinking. Those initiatives are broken down by the Human Condition, Brown State University, Listening Circles, The Green Room, and more. The Green Room is a curated music showcase of local music artists in in Texas. It is an environment where the community is free and open to conversation. Brown State University touches on education and how it can transform a community and how in-person quality education should be accessible to all. The Human Condition is a collective of art shows located in Austin, Texas, that showcases Black, Indigenous, and or people of color creators at any level of experience. They provide a platform for creators to tell their story, express their feelings, heal, and more. Listening Circle is a new piece to Brown's state of mind that provides community to talk about their blessings or burdens, concerns, or past experiences. Now, I attended one of their events called Untapped, and I immediately felt the warmth from the community and their creators. Untapped was a visual short film on Austin creatives and their personal stories and perspectives on the city's burgeoning cultural art scene. It was a burst of inspiration to create more, not only as a visual designer, but through my works and sound design as well. Brown State of Mind is solely a bootstrapped company that worked from the ground up to provide a service for the community. We need more collectives like this, but can only survive by the help of the community. You can learn more on how to help keep this movement going at their site, brownstateofmind.com. Now, I want to close this week's Sway Digital by saying that these are only just a few introductions to great artists, historical moments, and black culture. There is an enormous amount of great works by African Americans that has changed and shaped America. Black History Month shouldn't just be a month because black history is American history. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this corner of Sway Digital and for letting me share black artists, black culture, and black history. I also want to thank the creators and authors that I have shared with you throughout this month for their work is not only inspiring but provides for community and awareness. There is still a long road ahead for justice and equality, but showing appreciation and support is a starting point. I'm Darren, and this is Sway Digital.